1: So it's October, which means that we've transitioned from Tarantino month to horror movie month that either both of us or neither of us or one of us has seen, if that makes any sense. And this is a movie this week that I've been wanting Noah to see for quite a while. And honestly, I'm really, having just watched it again myself, I'm very interested in learning what Noah thinks about Rosemary's Baby. So Rosemary's Baby is a film from 1968. And what I What I'm imagining he doesn't realize is that when I was uh, looking at one of my favorite other film review podcasts, I saw that they were reviewing Rosemary's Baby this month as well. Mm -hmm. Um, That episode hasn't aired, so it'll be interesting to hear what they have to say about what I believe many people consider a classic horror slash, no, horror hyphen light movie. It's really more suspenseful than horror. Is that a fair assessment, Noah?
0: Um, somewhat, I I think by 1968 standards, and by the way, this movie preceded you by only a few months, um, this movie was probably coded as horror back then, but you know, it's not so much a monster movie. It's, no, it's about a lot more than that, which we'll get into.
1: Okay. So anyway, as I mentioned, this film is based on a book, uh, and was uh, released in 1968, I'm going to read the synopsis, and then Noah's going to give us some details a little bit more like he typically does on the, the backstory of the film, that sort of thing. A young wife comes to believe that her offspring is not of this world. Wayfish, Rosemary Woodhouse, and her struggling actor husband move to New York to a New York apartment building with an ominous reputation and odd neighbors, Roman and Minnie, Castavet. When Rosemary becomes pregnant, she becomes increasingly isolated, and the diabolical excuse me, the diabolical truth is revealed only after Rosemary gives birth. So that's the synopsis. Um, The film takes place in 1965 and 1966. And I have to say, before I turn this over to you, Noah, that as you know, I watched this movie probably 25 years ago. So you were very much a baby. And I I don't think I had ever seen it, but I remember really liking it. I watched it at night, lights off, you you were asleep Luke wasn't even born yet I don't think and I remember thinking wow that was that was a good movie I really liked it so going into this movie this time I remembered liking it but I re but as I watched it I realized there was so much that I had really forgotten so it was almost like I had gone into this relatively fresh um I knew I liked it, but I really have forgotten the story, the degree to which things unfold, and frankly, the ending, um, and and that sort of thing, which we'll talk about more in spoilers. So with that, Noah, do you want to take it from there?
0: Yes, certainly. And um, one note, I think it's kind of cool because you last watched this movie when you had your first child, and now you probably see it in a much different perspective now that you've been a parent for so long. So it's kind of interesting at the stages where you're watching it. So um, that's something to be noted for sure. Now, all right, Rosemary's Baby. As we mentioned before, this was released on June 12th, 1968. So it was a summertime movie. It was directed by Roman Polanski. Uh, You know the name, probably not for the right reasons. Uh, We are not endorsing the director. We are watching the uh, piece of art uh, that was released at the time and judging it on its own merits there. This is not a statement about the man. It is statements about the movie um the budget was 3.2 million dollars and the box office return was 33.4 million so easily a runaway hit especially back in the day adjusted for inflation uh probably made around 100 million or so uh generally speaking in today's terms and this movie stars mia farrow john now is this cassavetes did you say cassavetes cassavetes Cass- yep cassavetes ruth gordon sydney Blackmer, Maurice Evans, and Ralph Bellamy. Now, as we mentioned before, this was based on a book and it was released by Paramount Pictures. And um, yeah, this film is uh, honestly a classic at this point. It deals with themes uh, related to paranoia, women's liberation, Christianity, uh, and the occult. And in 2014, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So now that you've got the synopsis and the background details on this movie, we're putting it to our own tests. As I mentioned before, I have not seen this movie. This is actually my first time. And that's one of the points of this month is one of us has missed a classic movie or both of us has. And we are just basically seeing how it holds up at this point. And uh, for me. I didn't really have expectations going into this movie. Um, I knew generally what the plot was about. And I had remembered in the past, you had said it's a very good film. So that was maybe 10, 12 years ago or so. And now that I've finally seen it, I'm uh, interested to compare our thoughts because I watched this last night in one sitting and it is a long movie, definitely. Uh, I think it runs about two hours and 15 minutes, which is over the line for horror generally. And um definitely uh definitely one of those films where it takes its time and we're going to go ahead and see how much we liked the execution of that, so without further ado, what did you think of rosemary's baby twenty five years after you had seen it? yeah, um,
1: I have to say there is something about this film I really, really like um it's long. It's plotting. It takes a while to get to a crescendo that we can talk about in, or a climax that we can talk about in spoilers. Um, but, I, I think this is a this is an appropriately, interestingly creepy film that I think does a lot of things right. It the suspense builds very effectively. The performances, um, while universally lauded, I think are quite solid. Um, There are lots of things that fall into place pretty well in this movie. And therefore, I just thought it was, I was entertained the entire time. I watched it in three settings because, you know me, Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just, I really wanted to watch it in the dark. Mm -hmm. um i wanted to the dogs were with me for half of it and then they had to go to the kennel and so i watched the the second half of it the next day by myself and um i just there's something just kind of fun about that experience but truthfully there were times uh after the dogs were were gone because i was getting ready to head out of town on a business trip that i and i don't get creeped out or, or scared generally and i did not get scared at all but i thought to myself am i hearing things in the house uh And I know that sounds silly and I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't scared, but I just thought this movie's playing with my mind a little bit. And I kind of like that. There are no jump scares in this film, but I think it is executed. My opinion is that it is executed extremely effectively. I think it's like 97% on the tomato meter. And I was looking at, you know, basically what critics had to say about it. and, And many of them considered a masterpiece in editing. I'm not exactly sure Why? But at the end of the day, um, I really like this film a lot. I think it does a lot of things well. It's not particularly scary, but it's eerie. I'm not even sure it's creepy, but it's eerie and uh, mysterious enough to make it worth the watch.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Um, I echo a lot of your same sentiments. I think this is a very good movie. And you know us. (laughs) I'm
1: so glad. I was not sure. As I was watching it, I thought, oh, Noah's going to say, He was so bored, but no good.
0: I think about all the movies that I watch. Um, Yeah, but yeah, this film, I do think it is a bit overlong, but I think for the most part, a good two hours of it is not wasted at all. Um, And I I think that that speaks to how much quality this movie has. I think it's really a masterclass, uh, especially an early example of manipulation, exploitation, and uh, the antagonists, I really appreciate how they're presented comparatively to how they're presented in other movies. Um, there's a lot of understated things in this film, and like you said before, it's not necessarily scary, but I could absolutely see how it would be terrifying back in the day, and I'm kind of judging it based on its merits then, but it still holds up now in terms of quality and how it kind of gets in your head, and that's something to be said about this movie now. I can't say that I was, like, really thinking too much about it after I went to bed or hearing anything, but I think the movie does a great job of making you guess what's real and what's not, and that's portrayed through the lens of the main character. So, in many ways, this film invites you to really be part of the movie. It has a really good aesthetic, uh, very good acting, And it unfolds in a way that's a slow burn, but is very, very effective in its execution. So I think for the most part, this film did a lot of things right. And it's just a really, really early example of just how good a psychological thriller, somewhat horror movie could be without going over the top. And um, I'm not sure if jump scares existed back then, but this is also great proof that you do not need 30 jump scares in a movie to be effective in your terror. Your horror, or at least giving the audience some general feeling of uneasiness. So that's my thoughts on the movie. Uh, We can definitely move into uh, spoilers in a minute if you'd like to.
1: Yeah. Before we do, let me just say this, and I'm sure you have as much as said this, and I thought as we were going to talk about this, this would come up. This movie is way ahead of its time. I mean, can you imagine? This movie is 55 years old, and there are some sequences in this film that are. That cannot have been anything but new to most film watchers at the time,
0: right? Yeah, and I see so much of some of the past movies of the last 25, 30 years taking heavy inspiration from the surrealist sequences or from just the way things are set up and the camera shots. And I think for 1968, the editing was pretty much pitch perfect because it set an effective tone. And even if you're thinking to yourself, editing in the sense that you know it, I think a movie is edited well when it evokes... A very strong sense of emotion or engagement with the viewer. And I think this movie has that in spades. So I can agree that it's definitely a masterclass in editing, but I mean, everything is top notch here. Uh, The actors are fantastic. The story, even though it was inspired by a book, is very good. And it plays out really well on screen. Um, I appreciated a lot of what was happening on screen. And I will say, although I wasn't totally gripped the entire way, for the most part, I was like, yeah, this is. This is just a good movie. It is.
1: You can see one watch and you can tell why it's a classic.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um but yeah, I wouldn't say that this is the most um I guess, you know, horror movies nowadays, they kind of have to keep your attention the entire time or be doing something that's kind of in your face the entire time. Uh, you know, sometimes I appreciate how it can just take a break for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. And it can just This movie doesn't meander, but things happen Uh, things happen and you don't really know what's going to happen next. If it's going to be a dream Mm -hmm. sequence, if it's going to be some kind of psychological twist, if it's going to be some kind of, I I have no idea, but um, yeah, I can only imagine how much of a treat this was to see back then. It was uh, definitely a good watch now.
1: Good. All right. Let me take us into spoilers. All right. So this is the part of the podcast episode where we're going to talk about details of the film. Um, In this case, if you are intrigued by what we've set up to this point, we really encourage you to go watch Rosemary's Baby. It's available for purchase off Apple TV for, I think, $3.99. And, and, you know, probably as soon as the Halloween season is over, it will become free again because, you know, that's the way it works. But we highly recommend this film. Um, But if you don't want to hear details on plot points and storyline, it's time to turn this podcast episode off. But you need to come back and hear how we ultimately grade this one out. So this is spoiler territory. You have been warned. All right.
0: Okay. So um, let's talk the ending first. Um, Yeah. I thought the ending was super effective. Um, And one of the things I was mentioning before is this movie is about the occult and what the occult does to Rosemary. Of course, she has the child of the devil. And it's interesting, because there's such an opportunity for campiness or really bad effects in today's day and age. But so much is just suggested to you. And I like how the occult aren't just, you know, uh, robe wearing, like hissing, like spell casting people like, you know, they're not this stereotypical idea of you know, people who hang out in a dark basement and there's like, you know, torches and flames everywhere. They're real people with money who have some form of small institution and organization who are very well connected. And they're very, very dedicated to this one cause. And I feel like Hereditary was heavily inspired by this as well, especially with the ending scene. And, you know, it's just a great way to, she kind of just stumbles in and they're having this get together, the shower almost of just taking care of the baby. And they invite her to just, you know, take care of the child. And they even say themselves, you don't have to join, just be a mother to the child. And it's weird because you would think that they would be shunning her. They would be trying to maybe threaten her if she weren't to take care of the baby. It just goes to show how used she was. And that's such a huge theme of this movie is how gaslit and exploited she was um, by it really everybody that she knew there and I think it's a really effective uh way to use horror in this instance because she looks at the baby and uh she looks at it in horror but we never see it we're Uh only it's only a suggestion of what it is that's what's
1: so great about this movie we never see the film or we never see the baby
0: exactly and then she gives into her motherly instincts despite everything and she gently rocks the cradle and that's where it ends so I love how it's there's ambiguity but you also kind of know it's suggested as to what happens um it, it's it's just fascinating the way that cult was portrayed and it's just people really it, it's just people and it they could be right under your nose so that's what that's what's so effective about this um psychological manipulation aspect of it because you suspect things and especially towards the end you kind of know who it is but yeah. They're hiding in plain sight this entire time. And they're not these like crazy, you know. No. That, is, like, that is what is, is people. Yeah. That what's so
1: brilliant about this film is that they're in they're all in on it. Yeah. Right. But they're all functioning people. Like the doctor, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously the elderly couple are the sort of the ringleaders. But there's so many things I think that just work so well. And I wanna I wanna recount a few of them here yeah after the dream sequence which you never quite well during you're not quite sure if it's real or if it's a dream and she wakes up and she has um all of those marks those scratches on her body Mm -hmm. and the husband says oh yeah i trick i trim my fingernails you know and you know there's that. And then Hutch, their friend who is basically her closest friend who warned them about moving into this apartment building. But honestly, that wasn't overly done. So I thought this was even more effective. It was just like, oh, beware the story, blah, 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 like
0: three different examples of things that had happened over there. And there right, was just a passing was like a passing thing. But it wasn't like
1: this, oh, it wasn't like the Amityville horror. Oh, watch out. You shouldn't go into this house. It was just like, oh, there's this story about this building. And they move in. um, And then the neighbors seem all friendly and and wonderful. Um, You know, the very minute she um, meets the person, her her friend, who's staying with the elderly couple Mm. uh, in in the basement, the laundry room, and then she falls to her death. The way that's handled um, almost immediately, you know, hmm, something is awry here, right? The way they, it's almost
0: dismissive. Oh, she was such a wonderful girl. She died. I think the story was that girl was going to be in Rosemary's place. And then they discovered who Rosemary was and then they killed her because she had said only nice things about them. They're like, sometimes there's just good people in this world. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And so it suggested that she had been pushed out of a window, and it's really clever because they don't kind of wink at the camera. It it's it all fits together, and you just think back and you you know connect the puzzle pieces. When they initially met, the husband was saying, "Oh, you know, you get to know old people, you'll never get rid of them." And he turned out to be the one who was interested because they told him about this deal that he could strike with the devil, and he basically you know he he basically i don't know if he sold his soul but he sold some part of what was close to him in order to get a return on it the
1: whole thing is brilliant it because is. i mean for the for most for the first half of the film you you can't believe that the husband is in on it oh yeah um and, and then you know you start to realize and she starts to figure it all out and you think to yourself oh my gosh he really loves her but his his desire for fame is greater than anything he's ready to to be the, you know, to, uh, the whole thing is just brilliantly assembled. Um, And then when she goes to the doctor and she goes, when she's at the phone booth Mm -hmm. and didn't you think it was the uh, older elderly neighbor who was standing outside of the phone booth? Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the it's so tense and it's so she's such a victim and and you, you're rooting for her because you want her to, to win. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, you're like, okay, so is she paranoid? Or you know, are all these very nice, seemingly normal people really a part of the occult? And yeah. then she goes to the doctor, who is Charles Grodin, who's been in a thousand films mm-hmm. since, um, and he he listens to her. But then he turns her over because he thinks she's crazy and needs mm-hmm. she needs help. So here comes Dr. Saperstein and, and her husband. And it's just, you know, it's a winless situation. And then when she wakes up from having the baby, they tell her initially that the baby didn't make it. Yeah. But she hears the baby crying. So, mm-hmm. I
0: mean, there's so much. This movie is so good. Yeah. It, <laughs> I it's, really it's, like this movie. Yeah. It's really interesting, too, because I also appreciate nobody in this movie is dumb. Everybody is calculated, and Rosemary is spot on about her um uh, you know her findings and accusations with the help of Hutch, who obviously unfortunately died because of that and it makes you really question is she just going crazy or is she being expertly manipulated, which of course yeah. was the latter, but it plays that to such great effect because she'll be sleeping at night and then you'll hear chanting light chanting, and then um you know, maybe they're just sitting having dinner in the dark and they just hear and then they just hear um maybe a slight sound and the husband will joke, oh, that's the, you know, occult guy who lived here, blah, blah, blah. Or that's like the trench sisters or something like that. Everything it like the movie never winks at you and says, Hey, this like this is happening. Connect this to this. It so lightly just puts together so many little details that you like put together at the end of the movie. It's it's really brilliantly done. And I think it respects the audience member for that reason. Um, and to be honest, I, I just, I, I think everything was really, a, a, the performances were just really, really good here. And, um, you know, Rosemary, I appreciate, she's such a likable character and she is a good person. She is a mm-hmm. good person. And it's almost, it's always nice when the good guy wins. So many American movies do that, but it's almost, an amazingly simple thing that you don't often see anymore is even if the good person does everything that they can do, they can't come out on top and right. it's technically the bad ending. They don't die. Yeah. They don't really, really get harmed or anything, but they're this victim. She's this victim of so much orchestration against her. And then the, just the violation of her body for that. And it, 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 it just, it all comes together in a way that's so imperfect, but perfectly done, right? Because we always like to see a protagonist win. she does everything right, but she still can't win. And I think that's kind of a hard reality of some things in life that are not necessarily portrayed in movies, because a lot of people love the feel-good endings. And I can respect a movie that kind of says, well, no. Our protagonists, they're a likable character, you can empathize with them, but... At the end of the day, they can't win because other people are in on it. And of course, an entire occult would be able to outsmart one single person, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I'm the guy who likes the feel-good
1: ending, right? Okay. Of course. But I, I like an ending that makes me think, mm-hmm. that surprises me. Mm-hmm. And um, there's so much about this film. When I think about many providing the shakes, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. because – you know, Doctor Saperstein's not going to uh, prescribe prenatal vitamins. They're going to prescribe, or she's going to have she's going to take control and offer, um, or the rosemary dessert. shake, or the dessert. It has a chalky undertaste. Yes. Or or the the good luck charm that was on the woman in the uh, the friend who ends up you know meeting her demise early on in the film, and then she's wearing it. I mean, there is. First of all, I sat there thinking please don't ever remake this movie because if you do, you will never get it right or never get it done as What's well it as this. Was not remade? Uh, well, you know, it seems impossible to believe that in 55 years it couldn't have been redone seven times mm-hmm. the way these things go, but has it been? Are you looking it up now?
0: Yeah, for some reason I thought I heard news about it at one... Oh, that's right. It was a uh, TV movie. Mini- it was a sequel. In 2014. It was a miniseries. D- oh, okay.
1: No. Okay, well skip them all and just just watch this film and then you'll understand why we're so enthusiastic about this film it it all comes together so really well that um films today do the winking and the nodding to the viewer that this one doesn't this one allows the story to control um the the mystery mm-hmm. and builds to a very suspenseful conclusion That is ultimately, I think, quite satisfying, if not um, uh, ambiguous. And that makes it even more interesting to me.
0: A hundred percent. And there's a difference between something that is too ambiguous um, and something that's more open-ended. And Mm -hmm. I think this is open-ended without leaving. it's, It's funny, you know, you'll think of events that happen in the movie and then you'll be like, well, that made sense that happened. There's nothing random or without any real explanation, to be honest, it's wrapped up very well so yeah yeah i I think that's i think that's kind of where we fall on it so i think um, we pretty much agree that this is a
1: good movie so noah on a scale of one to five z's what are you giving rosemary's baby
0: Uh, I'm going to give Rosemary's Baby four Zs. I think it's uh, quite a good movie. It does a lot of things really, really well. Um, I do think it was too long, and I've given it a lot of praise for sure. There's a lot of stuff I liked about it. But, you know, overall, I don't think it's like a 5Z movie or anything like that. But Uh. it is certainly on a very good movies list. that I'd absolutely recommend any horror fan watch.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop short of going to four and a half Z's, but I am gonna say this is one really strong four Z recommendation for me. This is, um, you know, first of all, it is 55 years old. Second of all, I haven't seen it in 25 years, and third of all, watching it for the second time all these years later was at least as, if not more, enjoyable than it was two and a half decades ago. So, four Z's for me too. Rosemary's Baby.
0: Nice. All right. Yep. So starting off the month strong. And uh yep. let's go right into a check it out too. If you don't have anything All else. Right. Uh,
1: I do not have anything else on Rosemary's Baby, but I do have a check it out.
0: All right. Perfect.
1: Would you like to go first? I, I would. So here's the thing. This is not a movie, it's not a TV show. It's not anything media related. It is a person. It's an experience that I had yesterday. Okay. So and I'm just offering up my opinion. I'm getting agree with it or disagree. But uh yesterday I had the good fortune of being at the final game of the St. Louis Cardinals um season. A woeful season that it was, but it was also the retirement celebration of Adam Wainwright who has been with the team for 18 years. And uh was pivotal in two World Series um wins and also just got his 200th win as a as a pitcher. But all that is to say Uh, Albert Pujols was there and Chris Carpenter and Yadier Molina and Scott Rowland and and all the, you know, it was just awesome. And the weather was beautiful and all that. But anyway, my point in this is that Adam Wainwright is a, is a local hero. Um, he, I was disappointed to see how little national coverage this got, but this was a big deal. It was a big deal for people like myself who care about St. Louis and care about the Cardinals. And it was a really great day. And among all of the things he got, as a gift the last thing was a puppy oh that's amazing. and they they gave him a puppy you have to go and watch the youtube i sent you the youtube video it's one two minutes long and it's worth every second it. but all of this is to say this guy is a humanitarian and not only is he an incredible pitcher an incredible baseball player but he's an incredible human and um i'm a big fan of tim tebow um because i think we need more people like tim tebow in this world And I think we got another one in Adam Wainwright. So I'm here to just say, if you are interested in someone who is not only great on the ball field, but seems to be great off the ball field, check out Adam Wainwright, retired St. Louis Cardinal.
0: Nice. Well, that's a good commemoration. And obviously, people like that deserve to be celebrated. So thanks for sharing that experience. I'm also a huge fan of Adam Wainwright. I do have his rookie card. In fact, I probably have six of his rookie cards because I used to collect so many baseball cards but that's really special that you got to see that so oh let sure. me just tell
1: you this real quick too they were giving out you know he's turned he's uncle charlie now who he's a country western singer no way and he sang. he, he sang three songs at uh on the 30th of september of that game I, I was not there for that one but everyone got an adam wainwright guitar yesterday so i'll have to show you my guitars in the car but uh that's i funny. mean it's this it's not a life-size guitar, but it's like this big. I mean, you know, it's not going to fit in my suitcase. So I don't, I'm going to have to ship it home Yeah, and you know, the cost of shipping is going to be more than this thing is actually worth, but because it's an Adam Wainwright thing for the last day of his career, I'm going with it. So.
0: Absolutely. You do you still have that yeah. uh, baseball that got signed by Matt holiday?
1: I do. Right. I do. Good. By the way, I found a podcast with Matt, Matt holiday and his wife too. So I'll have to tell you about that later. That might be next week's check it out.
0: I think you listen to more podcasts than I do.
1: I listen to a lot of podcasts. I love podcasts, especially Easy Talk.
0: I watch a lot of movies and I really like Easy Talk. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So uh, moving on, uh, my check it out for this week is um, less heartfelt for sure. Um, <laughs> so uh, it was my birthday uh, about a week ago or so. and oh, uh, oh, you had
1: a birthday too, huh?
0: I sure did. Happy, happy birthday. Happy 26th. Happy 55th. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, my friend uh was like, "Hey, you know, you want to go uh see the new Saw movie? I'll buy us tickets just as your birthday present and everything cuz that is the kind of birthday present that I enjoy." Um, so we went on Friday uh when we saw Saw X at Alamo Drafthouse. And you're probably thinking to yourself, "Noah, those movies are either gross or they've declined in quality so much and there's like 12 of them. Like why are you recommending Saw X?" Well, I challenge you to rethink what you know about the current state of Saw movies and go watch this. Um, I've seen probably about eight Saw movies or so, and I saw Spiral. That was the one that Chris Rock made. And I have to say, this is probably the second best Saw movie. It's really good. Um, It's a big surprise in the way that it kind of humanizes a person who is, I mean, just crazy. But It's weird because it takes a bad guy and it takes the enemies of the bad guy who are people who are probably even worse than him. And basically it's about retribution in some sense or not retribution, but it's, uh, I guess it's about learning really hard lessons and, um, It's interesting, the predicament that the uh, antagonist finds himself in. And it's more of an anti-hero movie in this sort of way. But um, I will will say, um, if you have a strong stomach for this kind of stuff, it is a Saw movie. However, it's done really well. And surprisingly, for a 10th entry in a main series, I couldn't believe how good it was for that. I'm not saying it's a masterpiece, but I have to say, if 85% of Saw movies are like a 4 or a 5... This one's like a 7 or 8. It's really pretty good. And uh, I think a lot of uh, critics and audiences for the most part are kind of agreeing. It's more of a pleasant surprise. But um, if you have watched any of those movies or you had any interest in them and you were on the fence about this one, go see Saw X. Check it out. It was actually pretty good.
1: Well, I have never seen a Saw movie. And since I had never seen an Evil Dead movie before this past summer, and that was the experience it was, I'm going to pass on Saw.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, it's it, it's definitely one of those uh films that's for uh I guess I wouldn't say genre enthusiasts, but uh there's definitely a type of audience member that can stomach that. And uh, if that's your thing and you want to go see something crazy for Halloween, I, I mean that's pretty much what we got for the month of October in terms of new releases. However, with that in mind, you're listening to the podcast. Feel free to watch some of the movies that we recommend because and what you're doing good nightmare,
1: <clears throat> nightmare on elm street uh the very the the original which amazingly neither noah nor i have seen um and then followed by friday the 13th the original which amazingly neither noah nor i have seen Nope. and then we will conclude october i think there's only four wednesdays in october i going to look at the calendar with very appropriately the original halloween which neither of us have seen. So we've seen some of the sequels to all of these, but we've never seen the original. So we're going to watch them and discuss them. And the great news about A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 1, one hour and 31 minutes.
0: Exactly. That's when we start getting into the uh, shoestring uh, runtime horror movies. So uh, October could be my favorite month. Yeah. Could be really interesting just to see uh, how that one goes. Because, you know, these are classic movies and we already like horror movies. It's time to get around to uh, some of the foundational ones for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: All right. Well, listen, this has been Rosemary's Baby, the 1968 classic, which Noah and I both give four Zs. Next week, we'll be back with um, A Nightmare on Elm Street. And until then, I'm Greg. I'm Noah.
0: And this is ZZ Talk.